pile. These are generally conversations between adults after the children have left the table. The language can be spicy and the subjects can get saucy. So if you're ready, you are listening to The Southern Fork, a podcast that hosts kitchen chats with some of the most interesting people in the culinary South. I'm your host, Stephanie Burt, and I'm always hungry to learn more. Let's dig in. The Southern Fork is supported by King Bean Coffee Roasters. Located in Charleston, South Carolina, King Bean has been in the business of coffee for more than 20 years. And they're especially known for creating specialty roasts for some of your favorite Charleston eateries, including past guest Callie's Biscuits of Hot Little Biscuit and Margaret Furness of Caviar and Bananas. In 2010, King Bean started offering retail options. In 2014, they launched an online store, and now there is local pickup for those in the Lowcountry. Charleston locals can put in a special code for pickup instead of shipping. And whether you're local or out of town, a visit to kingbean.com can have you sipping coffee roasted in Charleston in no time. They're even anticipating adding a coffee store at their roastery in late 2017. So, for more information on it all, that website, once again, is kingbean.com. If you've listened to the show a while, or read my work, you probably know that I find how people find their great ideas very interesting. Eleven years ago, Matt Jamie of Bourbon Barrel Foods in Louisville, Kentucky, had one of those great ideas. To become the U.S.'s only soy sauce microbrewery, incorporating, wait for it, use bourbon barrels into the process. He had what he calls a chef's arrogance at getting the whole thing started. And these days, he's not only making a bluegrass soy sauce sought after, and used by some of the country's leading chefs, he's branched out into various other directions as well, from making products for Woodford Reserve, to cookbook writing, to smoking salts and spices. Still, it all comes back to the barrel, and to Louisville, of course, where he works to make soy sauce, an item essentially branded on another continent, all about Kentucky local. Welcome to the Southern Fork, Matt Jamie. Thanks for having me. Well, and um, as I always say, um, you're really having me. Um, the Southern Fork is a virtual on-location program, so we are sitting in the middle of where I apparently love recording, which is a large room like a warehouse. So there's going to be a little bit of echo, but we're in the middle of Bourbon Barrel Foods right now. Yeah, uh, this is our theater kitchen. So they tape a show here once a month. They do two episodes a month. It's called Secrets of Louisville Chefs. I think every local market has a show like this. Mm -hmm. You know, we're fortunate to have uh, GE's appliance division as a local business. So 
Shout out to hey, them. GE. <laughs> I also enjoy appliances. <laughs> um, they were very generous, and they outfitted the entire kitchen. Um, you know, and then you'll see all the, the bourbon barrel stuff here, the furniture. The, the barrels are kind of like pigs. Um, <laughs> we use every last bit of them. Right, right. And that is true. When I first visited a few years ago, this was a big operation then, and now you're working into the 11th year. So basically, you got inspired by the idea that legally in the United States, once you use a virgin toasted oak barrel for bourbon mm. or whiskey, you can't use it again. Right. And so there were all these bourbon barrels from your backyard in Louisville, Kentucky, going to secondary markets, which mainly are Ireland and the UK, right? Yep. Scotland, mm -hmm. uh, UK, uh, Mexico, you know, Jamaica, uh, the microbrew beer industry, you know, and McElhaney, Tabasco Company. They use oh, a lot that's of That's right. They do. They do. Um, you know, they've been using them for a long time. Mm -hmm. And when we started, you know, 11 years ago, barrels were still free. Right. And Because people used them to make... Um, Actually, I've seen them, like, when I grew up in the 70s, like, Grandpa would have one that he put, he'd cut in half and, like, use it as a, a planter, right? Right. Yeah, so they're everywhere here, almost to the point where it becomes a little too kitschy, too, mm -hmm. too expected. And so when I started my company and when I was, I actually wrote a proper business plan. And it's funny. And he every, says that with a really surprised right? expression on his face because we were just talking about well, motivation and writing before I, we started recording. Kind of like what else? What else was I going to do back then? I was totally motivated to start this company. Mm -hmm. I, I have been blindly passionate about it. Mm -hmm. um, and back then, it was it was an exercise that I'm so happy that I went through. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't think every company goes through that effort, but for me. You know, it, it was necessary and it, it made me think because mm -hmm. I was I was a cook, I was a chef and trying to move into food manufacturing and they're totally different. Totally different things. Different laws even. Yes. 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 Um, so in my business plan, you know, it, it's all about soy sauce. There's not one single mention of any of the other, you know, thirty four products that we make now. You know, there's no mention of e-commerce either because I didn't know the value of it at mm -hmm. the time. I'm not sure, you know, I realized that until maybe even three years in when we were in the New York Times. It was, and then people were like, like, how oh, do wow. I find your stuff? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now it's, it's a it, really practical thing. Yes. And it's a growing part of our business always. Um, mm -hmm. But back to the barrels, um, they were relatively free, mm -hmm. you know, they're, like your sustainability people are standing up and cheering right now, how you're like closing the loop and using the stuff that was basically free to create yeah. a supplemental product. Right, right. And so, you know, it, it became kind of trendy mm -hmm. to use barrels to age things in. Um, you know, but 11 years ago with the bourbon industry, this like 2006, the bourbon industry is starting to see this upward trend and it was growing in popularity. No one imagine that it would last this long right. um, and what has happened is you know the city of Louisville the state of Kentucky um, there the state tourism board the local convention and visitors bureau has really gotten behind the industry right. and so for for me where you know I feel like I had an 
awesome idea. And I'm, I'm so glad that I was the one that came up with it. But the timing couldn't have been any better. And that just is, it's just part of that whole sweeping up. I mean, you know, that bubbling up, that little bit of that collective unconscious, like something is happening. But now, bourbon, I would say, has transitioned from just an industry in a whiskey to really a southern flavor profile. Like there is bourbon potato chips and bourbon I'm sure there's bourbon potato chips. There's bourbon soy sauce. There's, um, bourbon, so, um, <laughs> there's bourbon soy so, sauce, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Well, it, it, it's a lifestyle. And mm -hmm. so whereas I I think people uh, in the U.S. started to become really enamored with wine country mm -hmm. and the whole thought of the way they lived out there and that you know, you're kind of drawn to it, um, we have a similar feeling here. So... Urban oh, country really is kind point. of like I've the never new really wine thought country. About that. Yeah. And so we have people visiting and they always want to take a piece of that home with them, whether it's, you know, this furniture that we have now, which is just kind of a byproduct of it, but, um, or a gourmet foods product. Mm -hmm. So when I started, um, you know, the original idea was the soy sauce. And well, let's talk about the soy sauce because. Just because soy sauce is so ubiquitous on the American table these days and in takeouts and everything, mm -hmm. I think that we as Americans don't understand uh, the difficulty in creating soy sauce, quality soy sauce that isn't full of fillers and flavorings, and just really the length of time in the process. So I'm sitting here looking at that room where that fermentation is happening. Can you talk to us just a little bit about the process? Sure. So, you know, soy sauce is the oldest, most widely used condiment in the world. Um, but it's only been in the U.S. for probably about 60, 65 years now. Kiko Man is the brand that everybody is familiar with. It is naturally brewed. The other brand people tend to, to mention is La Choy, which mm -hmm. is the counter of that, which is it's hydrolyzed vegetable protein with those fillers and flavors that mm -hmm. you talked about. And it's made in a matter of days, whereas, you know, naturally brewed soy sauce, minimum of six months. Um, bluegrass soy sauce, our original product at Bourbon Barrel Foods, is aged for 12 months. So it is a process. It's really start, hard to start a company where you have yes. to wait a year for a product. Yeah. No, tell me about it. So um, it's locally grown non-GMO soybeans. We actually buy from a farmer that was contracted to grow for the Japanese soy and miso market. Mm -hmm. it's, it's wheat. So we use a soft red winter wheat. We buy from a farmer here, again, locally. Isn't that just so fun? But he he actually grows that for Maker's Mark. So, you know, bourbon is not all does not always have wheat in it. Those that tend to be right. weeded are, are a little Soft on the sweeter care. side, yeah. you know, like Maker's Mark. Mm -hmm. um, the water, you know, here in Kentucky, we have that legendary uh, limestone filtered spring water, which is very important to the bourbon industry. You know, they, they the distillers use it because the, the water has body. It's a hard water. Mm -hmm. um, it makes a great soy sauce as well um, for the American palate. Uh, mm -hmm. Japanese like it to be a little softer, but for us, the way we use soy sauce, it... it it's it, really more of a topping at the end. Most people... Gives it body for right. us. Yes. Mm -hmm. Great, uh, uh, you know, minerals and nutrients, good body. And then, you know, we a yeast. So unlike the bourbon industry, uh, where they, they claim to have proprietary yeast strains for their bourbon, there's only two yeast strains that will make soy sauce. 
So, hmm. you know, we I use never that. Really thought about that. Yeah. Um, is it because of the nature that it's really hard to ferment soy? Is that why? I have no idea. <laughs> I, yesterday I gave a tour to a uh, biology class from a local college and, and I was supposed to teach them about fermentation. And I was like, you know, I just had that kind of chef arrogance that five ingredients, what the hell can go wrong? Right. So it was add this to this wait this long at this temperature, I'll have this. And and you did. And I did. I yeah. did. You know. So our five ingredients, soybeans, wheat, salt, water, yeast, our sixth is the bourbon barrel. Mm -hmm. So it imparts good flavor. And I mentioned earlier that, you know, that it, uh, barrels used to be free. Well, they're not free anymore. They cost me close to $200 a right. piece. So yeah. we actually. They're average about, just, I get asked this question all the day. Let me just. Um, pause and say bourbon barrels these days average about $250 and despite the fact that I see a lot of them on probably a monthly basis no I can't secure you one for your homebrew mm -hmm. okay sorry back yes <laughs> so you know it it's um, it's a funny thing you know you can always tell uh, how long or short the scotch industry uh, is or was uh, based on the price of a bourbon barrel because really? they a lot, mm -hmm. they set a lot of the price. Mm -hmm. So the cooperages that are buying barrels back from the distilleries, you know, will hold them and hold them and hold them until they know that the, the price is where they want it to be right. um, because that's the number one repurchaser. So, well, in any case, you know, the, the bourbon barrel, we use them three, three times. Mm -hmm. um, I'd use them longer except for, you know, the iron hoops on the outside tend to oxidize with the saltiness of the soy sauce. So uh, they get compromised mm -hmm. and, you know, we usually end up just burning them or selling them as planters. Mm -hmm. So zero waste. Zero waste. <laughs> zero waste. <laughs> so um, when they're in there, I know one of the processes of the making of bourbon is really that the bourbon moves through the barrel. So the whiskey moves through the barrel yeah, as heat is applied. Right. And then there's the angel's share and that kind of thing. When you're using it for soy, do you have that, yes. that movement through yeah, a barrel absolutely. as well? Absolutely. So that was one of the things that I came across when I was studying how to make soy sauce and where we were making it. And if you look at Louisville, you look at Japan, we're on a very similar climate pattern. So, you know, we get those we get four seasons, which mm -hmm. means that the soy sauce is living through those environments. So, you know, we're aging a mash in a barrel. Uh, these hot months that we're getting ready to, to start, very active in the barrel. Those, mm -hmm. those colder months, it tends to be a bit more dormant. But it going through that life cycle uh, totally affects the flavor. Right. I love that. I love the idea of local wheat local soy, local water, and then the weather yeah. for a year. Yeah. So it is like tasting the terroir of this place, despite right. being soy, which a lot of people wouldn't think of as a local flavor. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, I, I'm, I'm the first to do this. I'm still the only microbrewer of soy sauce in the U.S., which always sounds really weird to me. I know someone will eventually join the market, and I think that that's great. They'll share this burden I have of education on, mm -hmm. on a product like this, um, but no one will replicate our story. I mean, Kentucky is probably one of the best places to try and do something like this, mm -hmm. um, and I'm grateful for that. And my company, the way we've been able to grow it, 
it's become such a you know a, a revered part of the industry here. It, it it really is, and one of the reasons why I had to come back and visit even after <clears throat> spending a bit of time at the Pearl last night, which was a lovely bar in Louisville. This soy sauce is created here. It's definitely of here, but I have seen it on menus all over the country. Mm -hmm. I mean, people, if you eat at any of the restaurants of the chefs that have been on the Southern Fork, you're likely to see this bluegrass soy show up. So let's talk about some of the places and some of the people that really were the first, the high-end chefs to really first jump on the soy bandwagon with you. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because the chefs have been a very important part of the growth of this product. Chefs um, and education. I don't think we'd realize in American culture how much chefs educate us. So. Um, yeah. I mean, I do. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's about, you know, food service is about 10% mm -hmm. of our sales, which is not a huge part of it. But what happens is people become familiar with it through the chefs. Right. So this day and age, chefs tend to become rock stars, you know, mm -hmm. and you know, people that are very passionate about food, you know, have a favorite chef. They listen, they listen to what it is they have to say. They eat in their restaurants. They look at the ingredients that they're using. And if you see something on there, the bluegrass soy sauce, microbrewed soy sauce from Kentucky, then that customer remembers when that menu when they go to a retail store and they're Absolutely. like, oh, yeah. you know, and Stephen so Satterfield was using that. There's or recognition. Ed Lee used that. Right. And, or, you know, oh, you know, Sean Brock has that and Husk. And that's one of the things that um, drives our retail sales. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't something that I, it was part of my original business plan. Um, that all came from Edward Lee um, saying to me, you know, you need to establish relationships with these chefs. And, you know, how do I do that? You need to go to food shows like Charleston Wine and Food. You need to go to Atlanta Food and Wine. And, and he was absolutely right. And mm -hmm. so we, you know, it's just getting it into the hands of the um, influencers. Right. You know, and then from there, it kind of grows. You can always tell, I can always tell when someone has, has, you know, worked for one of these chefs because then they'll start buying. They're like, oh, well, right. I, we used to use it when I was And here. you know, you understand mm -hmm. the use. And I think a lot of people don't think, or a lot of people are just beginning, let me reframe that, to think about like the condiment section of their refrigerator mm -hmm. at home as a place to really look at locally sourced ingredients and, and good, clean, fair food. Right. Um, you're obviously a big advocate of slow food. Mm -hmm. um, I heard that you went to Italy with... Yeah. Uh, um, well, I didn't go there with Stephen Satterfield, but I, we were Facebook friends, but we had never really met. Mm -hmm. And I think I met... No, I take that back. We were at uh, we were at an event in Atl outside Atlanta. It was a uh, at uh, and Quatrano yeah, Farm. Yeah, Serenby. Serenby, yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes. Mm -hmm. um, and we were we were I was cook. Uh, Dwayne Nutter was actually using my product, and mm -hmm. Stephen was at the same table as us, and so we became friends. Uh huh. You know, and then maybe months later, year later. Uh, we're both in Torino, Italy for Terra Madre, the slow food convention, mm -hmm. and I see that he's there. I'm like, hey, you want to hang out? And we ended up having well, lots of fun out. and having some Yeah, fun. you know, I mean, I, 
I tend to have fun when I travel. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here by myself. Let's let's get a drink. And it ended up, you know, I remember I, we met uh, and we had walked down the street and almost every bar we passed, we went in and had a Negroni. Um, we worked our way towards this one restaurant that was kind of like the slow food restaurant of Torino. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but we walk in and they're like, no tables, you know, they're, they're, they're booked solid. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ah, and they were actually the sister restaurant to a restaurant I had been eating at all week. Mm -hmm. I remember that one. It was called Banco. And the manager that was at this other restaurant said, no, Matt, no table, no table. And so we leave. And so as we're walking out, this car pulls up. I had met this guy earlier in the day. He was a PR guy from Milan. And he said, Matt, like, where are you going? It's like, how ah, they said no tables. And he's like, you're eating with us. And so and that was, is how the food world works. <laughs> so their three top turned into a five top. It was me, Stephen Satterfield, this chef Vladimir uh, mm -hmm. and his Sue from Moscow from their, their restaurant called the White Rabbit, which was just voted top 20 best restaurants in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and we all sat there and drank and ate and just had the best time. And so I reposted that picture. It was me, Stephen, and these two other chefs and the, the publicists. Um, and, you know, after Stephen won the James Beard Awards, mm -hmm. it was like, how cool for me to be hanging out with chefs like this. I never really would have imagined. So. <laughs> well, it, it's, um, it's a great product, and it's a product that's become so important on menus that now you're working on a cookbook, right? We are working on a cookbook. It's um, To teach people how to use it at home. Exactly. And so, you know, we've done it all in-house. Um, and it, it's been about two years, so... Mm -hmm. It, um, it's been quite the effort. I, I'm proud of what it is that we've come up with. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want the, the book to become a Southern cookbook. We wanted to show the range that my products had. So a lot of uh, ethnic foods in there. Mm -hmm. um, we've reached out to a lot of chefs from around the country that are customers of mine that were gracious enough. And I know how hard it is to get asked time and time again to provide a recipe for this or provide, you know, Yes. a recipe for that yes but they were very very uh, accommodating and glad to do it so we have some great recipes in there from chefs all over the country mm -hmm. from la portland new york chicago atlanta dallas here in louisville you know down in florida so and shows the, the range is writing the forward correct and we had uh yes so chef edward lee one of my closest friends here um was nice enough and gracious enough to write the forward. He wrote it on a cocktail napkin on an airplane and handed it to me. And Please. He's, I want to take a photo so of that. He's so talented. Yeah. Um, Ed, Edward Lees, I love your writing. He, so it was actually, it inspired me briefly that I, I had to write. I was like, wow, he wrote this for me. I really need to honor the quality of what he just wrote about me and my company by writing the rest of the book myself. And mm -hmm. I was like, I'm just, <laughs> I, it, I also hard. run a, a company. So it's, it's really anyway, difficult. Right. Um, I did a series of interviews. It, it captured my voice pretty mm -hmm. well. I'm, I'm happy with it. And well, I'm, what are some of the other products since you, we definitely consider the soy your, um, your best or biggest product. The, but. the soy sauce is definitely, it's our flagship product. Yes. Um, 
but over the years we've we've grown and you know with a gourmet foods company you have to you have to be interesting year after year mm -hmm. and you know we introduce new things you know we figure out what's working what's not sometimes we'll discontinue something sometimes an ingredient will become so expensive that we can't afford to put it on the shelf anymore and that's mm -hmm. kind of what happened with you know, we do a uh, we used to do a bourbon barrel aged vanilla, but vanilla right, prices I are that. yeah. Bourbon barrel that was great. That was a good product. Bourbon Madagascar vanilla extract shot up from you know, it it's up over over two hundred dollars a gallon right. now. Used to be fifty bucks a gallon. Right. You know, right. I so, just read that big piece in Savour about it, mm -hmm. and then I've been meeting a lot of chefs that are using. Ylang Ylang, yeah. which is as a replacement, it's still floral. It's not vanilla and the complexity, right. but probably wouldn't go as well with bourbon as vanilla. Yeah, so we just decided we'll pull that one. But then, you know, we do different blends of mm -hmm. spices. We do different sauces. Uh, you know, the, we have uh, seen the most growth with a product called sorghum, you know, mm -hmm. where we buy sorghum from a farmer in uh uh, Jeffersonville, Kentucky, which is Montgomery County, which is Eastern Kentucky. And I've been buying sorghum from Danny Ray Townsend for, you know, eight, nine years now. Used to be we'd buy, you know, maybe 100 gallons a year. Now he grows well over 100 acres for us and we buy every drop that he makes. It's, uh, it, it's the, some of the best sorghum in the country. He's actually won two blue ribbons for best sorghum in the country. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we do things other than soy sauce, mm -hmm. um, you know, things that kind of exemplify bourbon country, mm -hmm. you know, things that help to promote what it is that we do here. Mm -hmm. um, and we try and stay true to, you know, you know, our, you know, the principles that we were founded on, you know. Yeah. Slow, small, and simple. So the uh, business plan really was awesome, but all of the things that have come out from there have been not included in the business plan. So there was a lot of surprise and there was. serendipity as a business owner. You know, realizing that, uh, you know, that soy sauce was going to take me a year, and it's like kind of what the hell are you going to do for that first year other than make it and then wait. Um, we started, I, I was actually walking through a, uh, a grocery store here, and I saw this uh, Chardonnay smoked Florida de sel, mm -hmm. and I was like, you know, we're in bourbon country. We need to have a bourbon smoked sea salt, except it can't be, you know, $20 a pound. So, you know, I, I found a domestically harvested, you know, very large crystal salt. Mm -hmm. uh, it's actually from the Pacific Ocean. And we started smoking it with, I, I did this at home to start with on a mm -hmm. Weber grill where I smoked sea salt. And we've, I wish I had that picture. we've scaled up. <laughs> I still have a sample of like the original stuff that mm -hmm. I smoked. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, we started doing bourbon smoked sea salt and then, you know, peppercorns, you know, really, you know, they already have a little bit of a smoky essence to them. Mm -hmm. they're, they're piney. They just soak in the smoke so mm. well. Um, Never really so thought about bourbon, smoked peppercorns. We do a bourbon smoked peppercorn, mm -hmm. you know, paprika, you know, sometimes it's uh, sweet, sometimes it's smoked, sometimes it's a little spicy. Ours is, uh, you know, the sweet piquant kind. Spanish mm -hmm. style is smoked. It's smoked with oak. Barrels are made out of oak. Our oak has just been saturated with bourbon for, you know, the better part of seven years. So it imparts a very, you know, a unique Sprinkle flavor. Sprinkle that on your deviled eggs, Andy. You know, it's almost <laughs> like cooking with bacon. Yeah. Um, it really does impart a good flavor. And so now we've expanded. We have sauce lines. We have spice lines. Um, and we do licensing. I do, mm -hmm. um, I do the licensing for Woodford Reserve. 
their cocktail products mm-hmm. and some culinary products. And then we have, we just signed a, a new licensing agreement with another bourbon label that will be out in September. I'm sure if I can mention it yet. Um, and we do licensing for companies like Mossy Oak mm-hmm. and Mossy Oak's a hunting lifestyle brand. Um, we do spice blends for them for wild game. Mm-hmm. Well, I just would like to say that if you are interested in trying to find out what you should spend the next 11 years of your life on, look around you. If you're not satisfied with what you're doing and you're not satisfied with um, the work that you're you're doing on a daily basis, see what's around you that is inspiring to you. If you care enough to smoke salt on a Weber grill, <laughs> then I think you're going in the right direction. This doesn't feel like work to me. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoy it, and I'm surrounded by people that care. Um, and people who enjoy, in that culture, who enjoy the quality and the time it takes and the investment in the process. Well, they all make me look smarter than I really am, <laughs> and it's a good team. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I have two kids. They're 12 and 13, and I love that they get to see me doing something I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I hope that, and I, I I hear them from time to time saying, in in so many words, do what you love, mm-hmm. you know, and you'll never feel like you work a, a day, which is kind of cliche. But you know, the other thing is that you know, don't chase money. You know, if you're doing what you enjoy, you know, life is good. You know, the money will come if that's what it is that you want. You know, mm-hmm. but don't make yourself unhappy doing something that you don't really enjoy. I hate hearing people complain about going to work. I do too. Or the Monday scaries. I don't really have the Monday scaries. I don't know what day of the week it is. That's right, every day. Well, if people want to learn more about Mad and Bourbon Barrel Foods and the great work that is really happening all around us in Louisville, Kentucky, you can go to thesouthernfork.com. We'll have an image of Mad as well as an image of really the microbrewery here so that you can take a look at that and also if you are interested in expressing the like for what you listen here if you will please leave me a review on itunes or your favorite podcast app it helps more people find the cool conversations that we get to have every week with these people so thank you so much matt for um, taking time out of computers and soy sauce and emailing and ordering to chat with me today. Anytime. You've been listening to The Southern Fork. I can't wait to bring you more culinary conversations, but in the meantime, I have one question. Are you going to eat all that?